In America's cities and towns today, flags will be placed on graves and cemeteries. Public officials will speak of the sacrifice and the valor of those whose memory we honor. I have new illusions about what little I can add now to the silent testimony of those who gave their lives willingly for their country. Words are even more feeble on this Memorial Day, for the sight before us is that of a strong and good nation that stands in silence and remembers those who were loved and who in return loved their countrymen enough to die for them. Yet we must try to honor them, not for their sakes alone, but for our own. And if words cannot repay the debt we owe these men, surely with our actions, we must strive to keep faith with them and with a vision that led them to battle and a final sacrifice. Our first obligation to them and ourselves is plain enough. The United States and the freedom for which it stands, the freedom for which they died, must endure and prosper. Their lives remind us that freedom is not bought cheaply. It has a cost. It imposes a burden. And just as they whom we commemorate were willing to sacrifice, so too must we, in a less final, less heroic way, be willing to give of ourselves. Each died for a cause he considered more important than his own life. Well, they didn't volunteer to die. They volunteered to defend values for which men have always been willing to die if need be, the values which make up what we call civilization, and how they must have wished, in all the ugliness that war brings, that no other generation of young men to follow would have to undergo that same experience. As we honor their memory today, let us pledge that their lives, their sacrifices, their valor shall be justified and remembered for as long as God gives life to this nation. And let us also pledge to do our utmost to carry out what must have been their wish, that no other generation of young men will ever have to share their experiences and repeat their sacrifice. Earlier today, with the music that we have heard, and that of our national anthem, I can't claim to know the words of all the national anthems in the world, but I don't know of any other that ends with a question and a challenge as ours does. Does that flag still wave for the land of the free and the home of the brave? That is what we must do.
I'm really confused. All I saw was my dog coming over the fence, and he was dead when she hit the ground. I didn't see any cars. All I saw was my dog coming over the fence. someone or something crawling around out here. Did you see what it was? It was. It was standing up. I'm out here looking through the window now and I don't see anything. I don't want to go outside. Jesus Christ, you better... Sir? Dio! Hello? Get somebody out here. What's going on now, sir? That son of a bitch is about six foot nine. I don't know. Do you see him now, sir? Yes, I'm looking right at him. Uh-oh. Hey, everybody. This is Les Stroud. Yes, yes, I know. A.K.A. Survivor Man. And you're listening to Brian, Sasquatch Odyssey. guys and welcome back to sasquatch odyssey thank you guys so much for clicking play it is saturday this is your bonus show we've got an amazing guest lined up for you but as always i want to start the show by inviting you if you've had an encounter and you'd like to be on the show shoot me an email you can get me at brian at sasquatchodyssey.net you can head over to the website check it out become a member there and help support the show as I said, this is Saturday. This is your bonus show. I'm actually coming to you a day early because of the holiday. It is Memorial Day weekend, and I wanted to do something a little special for this show. And as you could tell by the opener, it was a little different. I pulled a speech from President Ronald Reagan from Memorial Day many, many years ago, and I wanted to share this because tonight's guest is a veteran. He is an Air Force veteran. He was an Air Force military police officer in his career as well, so... I wanted to honor him and honor the men and women who have served and died for this country as we go into Memorial Day. So I'm posting this a day early because I plan on taking tomorrow and Monday off. I'll probably be back with you guys on Tuesday. I'll drop another show in. I'm working on a couple of different things that I think you guys will really enjoy. As we go into tonight's show, Daniel is here. He's been on the show before. He's had Sasquatch encounters, and he's here to share some of his more interesting experiences while in the military. A couple of military bases, he had some really strange paranormal experiences. One of Daniel's experiences with something that can only be described as a rake. We talk a little bit about that in the show, so if you're not familiar with what a rake is, you can check that out. I've posted some photos related to today's show over on our Instagram page, so if you don't follow us on Instagram, you can click the link below or you can go to Instagram at Sasquatch Odyssey. Follow us there and check out the photos I've posted of some examples of a rake and some other things over there that are related to today's show. Then I'll let Daniel tell those in his own words, but Daniel tells a lot of personal stories here as well. He's had interactions with loved ones that have passed over. And I think it's very important for us to listen to those stories and sort of relate because I think we can all relate on some level having lost friends and family members of our own. So it's a really good story. Daniel is a super good guy. He's a veteran. He's a former police officer. And I have a lot of respect for him. And I really appreciate him coming on and sharing his stories. And I hope that you guys enjoy them as much as I enjoyed the conversation that Daniel and I had. So 
If you haven't taken a moment to do so, please rate and review the show. It goes a long way in helping other folks find us. And obviously, if you want to go over and check out the Patreon page and consider becoming a member there and help support the show, I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Before we get into the show, I just want to say thank you again to all the men and women who have served our country, those who have passed on and given their lives for the freedoms that we have. For me to sit here and record this and you guys to listen wherever it is that you listen, thank you. Thank you for the military men and women who have served our country and for those who have given their lives for the freedoms that we have. And for those of you who continue to serve in the military currently, thank you for your service and thank you for your sacrifice for our country. Daniel's on the line. He's ready to go, so I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to let the music play. You guys sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. All right, folks, I want to welcome our guest to the show. It's Daniel from Minnesota. Welcome back to the show, man. Hey, what's up, Brian? How you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. I'm hanging in like a hair in a biscuit. How about you? I guess told you a little bit ago, I've been, the last like 10 minutes of work was just hectic. So kind of decompressing now and relaxing. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you taking time to be with us on the show. So I know you're here to tell a story. So let's just get right into it. You had an incident where you saw something that was, well, for lack of a better term, I guess it's the rake. So for those of us who aren't familiar with what that is, would you mind sort of giving the audience just the, the dime store tour about what a rake is and then just take us into where you were, what you were doing, and what happened to you? Well, sure. To, to be honest with you, I honestly don't know what a rake is either. I did not know what a rake was until probably last year. I remember someone sent me a video on YouTube or something like that. I was like, hey, you got to check this out. And so I looked at it and I'm like, holy crap. I've seen one of those. You know, I've been on another podcast. The host of it referenced the movie Signs. So I'd never seen the movie because I'm not, I don't like scary movies. I, I, I hate them with a passion. I would go out of my way to avoid them at any cost. I did a Google search for signs and did a uh, image search. And I almost fell out of my chair because the height of what these things were was similar to what I saw. And then he had posted a picture that someone had sent him on his Instagram. And I went to his Instagram while I was talking to him. And it was about 99% what I saw. And again, it it gave me shivers. It's one of the few times I've I've had now I've had encounters. My earliest encounter experience that I can remember vividly is I was four years old. So from four years old to 50 years old, okay, 46 years, I've had experiences my whole life. Whether I'd be in, I was in Europe, different parts of the United States, here at home, other places I live. This incident happened the summer before my senior year. And we, uh, I'm just going to, the county was Shelby County in Tennessee. Okay. If anybody doesn't know where Shelby County, Tennessee is, it is in the lower west corner of the state of Tennessee. It's an armpit. <laughs> I graduated high school there. So I was over at my buddy's house. You know, it was a like I said, summer before senior year. And uh, we're out riding mini bikes, dirt bikes, and just uh, he had a huge, huge plot of land, lots of acreage, a couple of pastures where, you know, they grow, you know, soybeans or corn or whatever. 
but it, it's like right in the middle of, of all this property, there's a huge area of woods. His backyard's probably a good two to three acres. And it that the very back of the backyard butts up against the woods. And there's some trails going through there. You know, you drive tractors through there and stuff like so there's very well cleared trails, but right about halfway middle and probably about middle way into the, those woods before you get to the first pasture or field to, to grow crops, there's um an old, old house. Now, honestly, to tell you how old it is, I couldn't tell you. My guess is probably late, late 1800s, early 1900s, right? Two-story farm-looking house, weather and age and nature reclaiming it, okay? We would go in there, we'd goof off and explore and things like that. No big deal, you know? And uh, just this particular day, we gassed up the, the mini bikes and just went for a ride around the property. And I don't know how long we were gone, but it was kind of getting, it wasn't quite dusk yet, but it was getting later in the day. So we knew we better go head on back to the, to the house. So as we're going through, we'll come ripping through the woods. And as we start passing, we start passing the house, I catch something out of the corner of my eye. Okay, this is maybe about four o'clock in the afternoon. And I kind of slow down a little bit and I see something standing in one of the windows. Now, this there was no doors, no windows at all. You know, everything had been busted out or taken down. And I'm like, what the heck is that? So I get on it and I speed up to my buddy and I'm like, hey, I said, I, I think there's someone in the house back there. So we kind of went back around and we zip, you know, we zip around the house. We don't see anything. We go back up to his house, not think anything of it. Put the mini bikes up. We go in the house and there's a note from his parents. Hey, we're going to uh, get together this week, you know, tonight. We'll be back later tonight, you know, early in the morning. You know, nobody over the house except for Daniel. And uh, make sure you feed the dogs, What you know, whatnot. Now, he had dogs. He had two, uh, three big dogs. Well, medium-sized dogs, I should say. A Rottweiler. I think it was a German Shepherd, and then it was like a mix, like a a, rock, a pit Labrador, a pit Retriever mix, or something like that. And they're just country dogs. You know, they wander all over where they can wander. They, I mean, if you live out in the country, you know what I mean. So we were, you know, just kind of messing around and just goofing off for a little while. And it's, it got dark, and so we started making some dinner. And I'm sitting in the living room. And I'm just sitting back in, in one of the chairs. Stay tuned for more Sasquatch Odyssey. We'll be right back after these messages. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, Join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, 
I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChampaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And there's like an end table that's right to my right with a, with a lamp on it. And there's a window that's a little bit forward of the um the table the end table like on the wall and i'm kind of looking at the tv that's kind of off to the to the left a little bit and i hear this noise like a scratch you know and i'm like what the heck is that so i i thought it was the tv you know something so i turned the tv down and i'm like well maybe it's one of the dogs trying to get in the, in the door so i yell at my buddy i'm like hey is it one of the dogs scratching at the back door? He's like, no. And I hear the scratch again, and I look, and I see this face, this white face, looking into the window. Okay? It wasn't pressed up. It was maybe a couple inches away from the window. And I, I let, I'm not even going to say I hollered, man. I screamed. Okay? I'm not even pretending I was a manly man at 17 years old. I let out a full-blown high school girl seeing her, you know, seeing Harry Styles for the first time scream, okay? But it wasn't happy scream. It was a scream of terror, okay? And I'm like, mother, get in here right now. There's something at the window. Oh, I'm getting goosebumps talking about this, man. And he's like, what, what, what do you mean? Oh, man, I'm getting shivers. And he's like, I go, it's at the window, it's at the window. And he goes and he presses his face up against the window. And I grab him and pull him back because I didn't know what it was. And he's like, dude, I saw something take off on the side of the house. So we run to his bedroom. We both get shotgun. Okay. Now, I can say, oh, it was a Remington 870. It was a Mossberg. We don't, I don't know what it was, man. All I know is it was a shotgun. It was 12 gauge. If I saw it today, I could tell you what it is. But at the time. It didn't matter. We grabbed each a box of shells. Okay. More than likely it was Berkshot. You know, I'm I like to say, oh, I'm certain that we grabbed double odd or we grabbed slugs. It was probably Berkshot, honestly, that we used to shoot dove and stuff like that with, right? We didn't care. We loaded up as much as we could. We had shells in our pockets. On the way out, we went through the utility room, grabbed flashlights. As we head out the back door and down off the porch, we hear his dogs losing their shit. They are down. We can't see them. We've got the lights on on the back part of the house on. We can't see the edge of the, of the backyard, but we know that's where they're at. So we go running down there, right? We got flashlights going. We start calling them for them. Like, come on, come on, boys. Come on, come on, come on. Come on. And these dogs are really super mellow dogs. I mean, I've seen I've seen coyotes run through the backyard, out into the woods, and they just yeah, there goes a coyote. 
I've seen foxes take off through the raccoons, whatever, rabbits. Yeah, well, there you go. But these dogs were right. They were probably a good 25 feet from the edge of the woods. They weren't right at the edge of the woods. They were back some. The back of their hair on the back of their necks and back was all standing up. And these dogs were like, come on, come out in this yard and see what happens. We mean business. So the closer we got and we're hollering for them, they're still, they're still, you know, they're still out there. We come up at them and we hear this growl or something come from the wood. And we're like, what the hell is that? No bears, not a wildcat of any kind. This was just like a guttural deep from the wherever. And it just came out. And then we heard like a clicking noise. And we're like, what the heck is that? And then we heard the growl again. So we're coaxing the dogs back. I grab one by the collar and we're pulling them away, trying to get them. It took us about 10 minutes, it seems, to get them back up into the house. And the dogs, like I said, were farm dogs. They never slept in the house. They slept out in the barn. But these dogs, when we heard this scream as we were halfway up through through the backyard towards the house, these dogs took off to the back porch. We led, you know, we gave chase. We jumped up the stairs. We didn't, I think we went from the ground to the top of the porch. We, I think we jumped all four steps up onto the back porch, barreled through the back door, started locking everything, pulling blinds down, locking doors, locking windows. And we slept in the living room. And the next thing we knew, we hear his dad coming through the front door like three o'clock in the morning. The TV's still on. We got shotguns laying next to us. And we've got these three big, farm dogs who are dirty and smelly in the house laying pr- pretty much on top of us and he's like what the hell's going on why are the damn dogs in the house and we woke up to that scared the hell out of us and his mom's like why are the dogs in the house and we started talking to him we're like listen this this is what we saw this is what we heard the dogs were losing their mind and his dad's like, okay, well, we'll go out there in the morning. We'll see what's going on. So my buddy and I, we didn't go to sleep. My buddy would not let his dad kick the dogs out of the house. He's like, these dogs ain't going out in the house. The next morning, well, a few hours later, I should say, his dad gets up and he's like, all right, show me what, show me what, uh, what you saw. You know, where, where did you see it? So we told him what window it was at. We weren't going to go outside. So he goes out and he looks around and he comes back in. He goes into his, his office and you hear him open up his gun safe and he pulls out his AR-15, couple magazines, and he goes, come on, let's go out to the woods. So we get in the back of a truck, uh, the old farm truck, and we put the dogs up there with us and uh, we drive down and he, he doesn't wait at the edge of the woods. He drives right up to the house and we're like, what are you doing? Well, the dogs wouldn't get out of the truck. We had shotguns. He had an AR-15. We jump out of the truck. The dogs would not come out of the back of the truck. So we just kind of walked around outside a little bit. Me and my buddy, we were like Siamese twins. We were attached at the hip, you know, and his dad, his, you know, goes stomping up on the front porch and in the house. He starts looking around and he's like, Daniel, what window did you see it at? I said, at, at, back up at the house or here? He goes, here. And I, I pointed to the window because I wasn't going to go in the house. I said, it was right there in that front window. 
And he starts looking around. He's like, all right, get in the truck. So we go back up the truck, take off back to the house. He starts making some calls. They say, you know, up comes this truck, this big semi with a um, uh, excavator. And he drives it right on down. And they take the excavator off the back of the truck, off, off this trailer. And they that day, they leveled that house, leveled the house. And from that day on, I mean, I've been in contact with him, you know, a few times over the years, you know, and it's something he doesn't really talk about. But yeah, to this day, he said he hadn't seen or heard anything since they leveled the house. When I hear stories about the rake, 99 times out of 100, I go to an alien, right? Because I, I don't know what else makes sense when people describe what they see. You know, I know you, you saw this thing looking through a window, but I mean, there, there are people that have seen these things like straight on with nothing between them. They're, they're standing outside and this thing's there. Right. And everything that's been described to me is almost like a super tall sort of gray alien kind of thing. Is that, I know it was only a glimpse and you just got to see the face, but is that kind of what you saw at the time you were having this experience? Well, when I saw it out of the corner of my eye, and I, again, it wasn't like it zipped by and I saw it. I mean, I wasn't going, you know, 30, 40 miles an hour. I was just putzing around on this little mini bike. And so I got a really good look at what it was in the window. I, at first, I thought it was a man. That's why I said, hey, man, you got someone in the house back there. But he's pale white, white, almost like, like this mug, white, right? Dark sunken in eyes. You know, same thing. Like, I didn't really see a predominant predominant nose and a wide mouth and long arms and height wise maybe six six five something like that now that i'm only five nine so six five six six to me looks like a giant you know so easily over six feet tall and i didn't see it move from the window okay and when i saw it when I say the window in the wood, when I saw it or heard it scratching or tapping at the window or whatever, I mean, I was probably from here to, I mean, you can't see where I'm at right now. I was probably a good maybe three and a half feet from that window. And I got a good look at it there. I saw it look, it looked like it was an ear and the teeth, they were sharp teeth. So I don't think it's an alien. Honestly, I think it's, it's, demon that's that's honestly that's what i think i don't think it's of this world yeah that's the other place that i typically go it's either when you describe what you're describing it's it's really only one of two things it's either it doesn't exist and it's only in your mind or it's an alien or it's something demonic because there's nothing else that computes as far as i'm concerned and there's no boxes i can check to say this is what that is right when I asked my buddy, you know, we, you know, we talked about, it, he goes, man, it moved so weird, but so fast. It like got down on almost all fours and just started just whew, taking off. And I'm guessing the dogs were out and about, you know, this is probably like maybe 10 o'clock at night, maybe when, when I first saw it. And when it took off, off from the side of the house. I'm guessing it caught the dog's attention and them not knowing what that is because they've never seen it. They started giving chase. So 
Is that the only time you ever had any experience with anything that was similar to that? That's the only time I've ever seen anything like that myself. I've had I've I've had multiple experiences and encounters with Bigfoot, Sasquatch, whatever you want to call them, or her. I would gladly sit down at a dinner table with a Sasquatch than want to see one of those things again. I carry a firearm with me all the time. If I ever see something like that, I am going to unload on it. I get, that's how terrified of it I am. There is no nothing nice about it. It doesn't give you any warm fuzzies. It's straight evil. Yeah, man, I've heard the same thing from people who have seen similar things, and I'm, I'm just kind of glad there's a, a name for it that people can sort of go and look and say, hey, well, maybe that's what I saw or whatever the case may be, because it's so weird. I mean, <laughs> a lot of people think it's weird that other people believe in Bigfoot and have Bigfoot experiences, right? But Or alien experiences or UFO experiences and things like that. But when you get into things like Dogman and what you describe, this this rake creature or whatever whatever we're talking about, I guess that's the, the only thing I can use to describe it for the audience to even understand and be able to Google it and say, oh, okay, well, that's what Daniel's talking about. But it's just so, it's so far out there. It's hard for people to wrap their brains around and say, yeah, that, that makes sense to me. It's through things like this and you coming on the show and sharing your experiences that people learn and maybe somebody else has seen that or something similar to that. And they're realizing at this moment as they're listening, I'm not the only person who's seen that. Right. Like I said, I didn't know what to call it up until a few years ago. So, you know, like I said, it's, it's, it, that's not the only type of experience I've had, you know, living, you know, overseas, being in the military. You know, you see things, you experience things. And like I said, I, you know, I told you the last time I was on, I'm writing down all of my, everything that I can remember or, you know, and it's really weird. You know, like I said, I was on another podcast and I hadn't really had any, any significant experiences. But after I spoke about some of the experiences that I had, it seems like things just started kicking up, kicking up. And I actually had to call him back. I'm like, hey, since our last conversation, bro, a, a crap has been happening. So I kind of hope it doesn't happen after I talk to you. <laughs> I mean, it's been kind of chill lately. You know, I, I hear footsteps all the time in my house. I'm down in the lower level of the house. And when no one's home, I hear people walking around upstairs. You know, that's that's an everyday thing, it seems like so. You were definitely not the first person to say that to me because I've had other people on the show talking about some of the more paranormal things. And they're like, you know, after I talked to you, it had been really quiet. And then all of a sudden it's, it's ramping up again. So for your sake, I hope that's the case. And you don't have an experience with a rake anytime soon because that's, that doesn't sound like a very pleasant experience at all. Right. That's something I don't want to deal with. I mean, is there anything else you want to know or? Well, what else have you had as far as other experiences outside of the rake and Bigfoot that you can share? Stay tuned for more Sasquatch Odyssey. We'll be right back after these messages. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, any Anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, I've, I've been listening to you all day today. I've had one UFO experience. Wasn't anything crazy. I, and, and I can't say definitively that it was a spaceship from outer space. You know, it was just very, very weird. I was in Washington State at the time. I was a junior in high school. I moved around a lot. My parents were divorced when I was young. So if I didn't like what was going on with one of my step parents, I'd move back with my mom or back with my dad, you know. So, but this was in Washington State and we lived on the lake, my dad. And uh, this is when he was single, one of the few times. And so it was just bachelors. And I had a girlfriend and we went down to the boat dock and it was probably about 11 30, you know, midnight, something like that. And I mean, we were stargazing. I just started feeling like this, like this electricity in the air. And I mean, oh, look, it's young love. I mean, no, it was not that, that type of physical electricity. I just really, I, I just felt it. And then I heard this like loud humming noise. And I'm like, what the heck is that? And I look because our heads were, were facing where my house was and we had wood off to the left of us and I look up and I see like this light like almost like a searchlight and I've been a, a fanatic of aircraft my entire life airplanes helicopters blimps whatever zeppelins I just loved them and the only thing that I can describe it to is like the old movies you hear the zeppelin where it's kind of like that humming noise when it's coming over very slowly that's kind of what I thought I, I heard I mean, I, that's what I thought it was. Then I see the searchlight, and it, like, it was just scanning the woods. And my girlfriend at the time started getting scared, so we took off and ran back into my house. Now, I slept up in a loft, so I had windows that overlooked the lake. And I could look down, and I could see the living room and stuff like that. So as I'm looking out, we're both looking out these windows from my loft, we see the light go over to where we were just at. And then it goes out over the water a little bit, then it stops, uh, shuts off, and then it's gone. And I'm looking up and trying to see if I can see anything. And I didn't see anything at all, but it was just really, really weird, you know? So this was back in 88. 
87, 88. So I don't think, you know, we might have had drones back then, but I very seriously doubt that the U.S. military is going to use a drone, you know, at 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night, you know, looking for two teenage kids stargazing on a boat dock, you know. That's pretty much the only UFO I've had. I've had a lot of paranormal. I've probably had more paranormal things, experiences than everything I've, I've dealt with combined. I've had reoccurring dreams, which almost deja vu. I've uh, seen ghosts. I've been touched. When I was stationed in F.E. Warren Air Force Base, I was an Air Force Security Police Officer. You know, I was a nuke cop. We we worked around nuke. F.E. Warren Air Force Base used to be an old Strategic Air Command base. In order to work around the resources that I I was working around, you have to have a thing called it a PRP, Personal Reliability Program in order to work around these resources, okay? They can pull your PRP status for anything. And when that happens, you're useless. You can't, you're pretty much probably picking up garbage on the base or whatever, okay? So I know other cops that have had experiences and we just, we talked amongst ourselves. It's not, I just don't go, hey, guess what I saw last night or guess what, what happened to me? So. This particular night, it was late November, early December, snow on the ground, and uh, I was a relief officer. I was police five, and I was up at the front gate, was kind of talking around with some people, some of the guys working the front gate, and I just said, well, okay, guys, anything, you know how to get a hold of me, so I went on my patrol. Now, on F.D. Warren Air Force Base, there is a, a cemetery, and this cemetery is because it used to be an old army post, okay, way back in the frontier days. And there are, I want to say, seven to ten graves that are World War II POWs or German POWs, and they're buried there. We had had reports that some people were vandalizing or someone or a group of kids might have been vandalizing some of the headstones. So keep a lookout. Okay, so I pull up and radio in my location. and. Uh, as I look over, I see a lady standing in the cemetery. This is like 2.30 in the morning. And I'm like, okay, she can't be in here. So, and the moon was full. Because I remember I didn't, need, I didn't need my light. I could see like perfect, okay? So I'm walking up to her and I'm like, ma'am, ma'am. And I go, ma'am, you can't be out here. It's one, it's 2.30 in the morning. The cemetery is closed. Honestly, it's chilly. You're going to need to, you know, get up out of here. Can I take you someplace? And she turned around and she tells me, shush. Right. And I go, ma'am. She goes, shh. And I go, ma'am. And about that time, like a gust of wind came out of nowhere. Okay. And it had just snowed not too long ago. So there was like loose powder on the, on the ground and it kicked up into my face. Okay. And I just got this chill wash over my body like bone chilling coldness and the next thing i remember yes the next thing i remember is i'm coming to over a radio check now you were a police officer so you know what a radio check is they're asking my my status copy copy police one this is police five all secure okay i go back to my cruiser and it was like 15 or 20 minutes later. I have no knowledge of what had happened. 
I can't say that I saw her reach out and touch me or travel through me, but something happened. And to this day, even if I'm driving my truck down the road and I know there's a cemetery, I try to move as fast as I can by that cemetery because I, I want no part of that stuff. I'm a 300 pound plus man. Okay. One night up in my room, my wife and I are sleeping. And I, I'm laying on my back. Something grabs me by the left leg and pulls me completely off my bed to the point where it flips me completely over and I land face first on the floor next to my bed. And my wife's like, honey, are you okay? I go, yeah, I slipped out of bed. And I just reached up and grabbed my pillow and pulled it down on the floor with me and just laid there for a second, trying to wonder what the hell happened. I've had marks. I've, I've been scratched on my legs, scratched on my arm. I had an upside down cross scratched onto my, onto my arm. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? In Germany, oh, we were a uh, two-man mobile patrol. And uh, Host Nation was responsible for the majority of the security on base because where I was stationed was a German Air Force base. Their two-man teams, unfortunately, had to be on foot. So regardless, rain, snow, whatever, they're out hoofing a certain area on, on foot. While we get to drive around a nice German combi, and if you don't know what that is, it's like a Volkswagen bus, you know, a little Volkswagen van, you know. And so we're zipping around in this area, and out of the corner of my eye, I see this flashlight flash us. And I'm like, I tell my my team leader, I'm like, did you just see that? And he's like, oh, what? I go, man, whip a, whip a shitty, because someone just hit us with a flashlight. And so... We go back, and he pulls up and he hits the brights. Well, out comes our host nation counterparts, and they're not walking to us. They're at a dead sprint, and we hear them open the door, open the door. So we open up the side door, and they both just dive in. Go, 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 shell, 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 and they we take off, right? And we're like, "What's going on? What's going on?" And one kept saying, "There's a phantom in the woods." Now, if you've ever been overseas, German Air Force bases, they're not like United States Air Force bases. You know, they don't completely strip the land of air, all vegetate, all vegetation. They have beautiful forests throughout their bases. Okay. And he said, there's a phantom in the woods. And we're like, what do you mean? So my team leader and, you know, me, here we are, we're, we're Americans, we're tough, you know. We went back around and these guys are like, no, halt, stop, stop, don't, don't go. And we pulled right up and we hit the brights, right? And like, just stay in, stay in the, stay in the vehicle. We'll go check it out because this is an area where no one's supposed to be in. If you're a civilian, you're going to get in a lot of trouble. We will jack you up and drag you behind a combi to arrest you. We don't, we don't give a crap. You have no business being in this area right? Restricted area. So I get out, jack around, we're ready to rock and roll. And uh, I get about five steps inside the woods. And I look at my team leader. I'm like, we need to get the hell out of here. Something doesn't feel right. And I went from, I went to pucker factor 10 real quick because I knew something was not right. And so he's like, 
what, what Hamilton, what's going on? I go, bro, I'm telling you, we, I'm not taking one more step into these woods. We, so we're, we're going to run into something that's not good in these woods. Like what an animal? I, go, Dude, I don't know what it is. Let's just go. So I start backing out and we're like doing a bounding overwatch backwards. You know, I'd move back 10 steps. He'd watch. He'd move back 10, you know, past me 10 steps. I'd watch. Honestly, if it was a ghost or animal or whatever, it's a, a rifle's not going to do anything to it. But at that time, you're not thinking. Your training kicks in automatically because you don't know what danger lies ahead of you. So your every bit of training you have gets kicked into motion. We get to back to the vehicle, and both our Count Dermot Coast Nation counterparts, they have their rifles pointed out the windshield. Okay. So they would have blasted the windshield out. And they're watching, they're covering us as we're covering each other back to the combi. I get in, he gets in, and we take off. And we take these guys back to their to their little rally point or wherever they go. And and they were shooken up. I mean, they and from what they were saying, what we could get out of them was they were walking by that area and they heard come and see here. Come and see here. Which is in German, hey, hey, psst, come here, come here. And something showed itself to them and they took off running and dove in the bushes and hid. And I mean, their radios, I mean, these poor guys, you understand, these guys are conscripts, okay? They're not professional military. They have to serve two years. If they want to go beyond two years, then they become a professional, you know, military person. But a lot of these guys, longer hair, hair all up down on their on their ears, mustaches, you know, looking like Tom Selleck, and you know, just you know, they're they're dressed in appearance. It, it looks like they sleep in their uniforms, you know, you know. So it, 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 these guys were legitimately. I know fear, and I know terror, and that these guys had nothing short of terror, and on their faces. So we went back and talk with their duty officer and he's like oh yes we hear we hear these stories all the time you know we're like oh, all the time you know there's been times where it gets it got so foggy there that we would hear like prop engines like piston driven airplanes fly over like world war ii planes flying over you know at like one o'clock in the morning or we'd hear i mean I can definitely hear a plane and know, okay, that's not a modern plane. That's an older plane. It's either B-25 or B-17. I can literally tell what kind of plane it is. And there's been times we were sitting out there and I'm like, holy crap, you hear that? The guy's like, oh, what is that noise? I go, dude, that's a prop plane. That sounds like a B-17 flying over. Or it sounds like a B-25. Or that sounds like a, you know, Messerschmitt, you know, ME-109 or something. And that those had been reported hundreds of times of planes flying over. I lived in a dormitory that was nicknamed the morgue because that's what it was at one time during the war. They would put bodies down into the basement and when they could get dealt with, they got dealt with in that dormitory. If you go upstairs, it's two stories. You go up to the second floor, right at the top of the stairs, there's a room. That people, you know, was signed to them, they would live in. I'm sitting in this. If you go up to the top and you turn to the left, there's a little area we call the 
party palace. It was like four dorm rooms. And it was a neat little area. And we packed like 15, 20 people <laughs> in the little hallway area. And I'd always sit up in the windowsill. And, you know, we'd have, you know, we'd drink and, you know, listen to music and talk a bunch of trash. And I had just gotten off of a, a swing shift. And I'm still in my BDUs, my, my pants. I still got my T-shirt on. I got my boots on still. I'm sitting up in the window. I'm having a drink. Stay tuned for more Sasquatch Odyssey. We'll be right back after these messages. And I just look up and I see this hooded or this cloaked figure walk right into this, this guy's room. And I'm like, bro, hey, hey. You better go check your room, man. You had a visitor you didn't even want. And at first, I wasn't really sure what I was seeing, you know? So we're all like, oh, the Phantom's in your room. The Phantom's in your room. He's like, shut up, guys, man. There ain't nobody in my room. And he goes, it's unlocked. So, dude, someone walked into your room. So we all kind of stop real quick. And we go, and he goes to open up his door. He's like, the door's locked. Like, what do you mean the door's locked? He goes, the door's locked get your key. He goes, my key's in my room. That's why I didn't lock the door. And he goes, damn it. So we had to call dorm, dorm chief. Dorm chief comes in with the key. We open it up and all his stuff, like his clothes and books and whatever is all piled up in the middle of the floor. Almost like um, Richard Dreyfuss was making, you know, out of mashed potatoes, like everything was just piled right up in his, and he's like, who did this? I'm going to kick someone's butt, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, everybody was here when I said I saw somebody walk into your room. So you tell me, same same little area in the dorm, we used to have a beer light, like a Miller High Life or something like that. It had gotten knocking off the wall. It didn't break, but we just took it down. And we set it on the floor. One of the guys who lived in that little area was sitting in this, in his, we called it his throne, but it was just a really nice chair. And he just sat that he was the only one allowed to sit there. If he caught you sitting there, he'd yoke you up out of the chair and kind of throw you to the floor because he's a pretty big guy. And this, this light started buzzing, flashing off and off. And he just looked at it and pointed, he goes, demons be gone. And it stopped. And we're like, oh, and I look over and it was not plugged in. Here's the plug-in, okay? The cord was like four or five feet away from the plug-in. And I'm like, dude, what is going on with this dormitory? For real. We've had people get touched. We've had people get pushed, you know, pushed into the rooms. We've had people with their dorm room doors open. The door just automatically slammed shut, things like that. Things that happened here, my nickname my middle name's Anthony, so my name's Tony. There's been a couple nights here where I've been sleeping, and I hear my nickname whispered in my ear, and it'll, it'll bring me right out of the sleep. I have felt someone sit on the edge of my bed, like, not just lightly, like someone just, just going to cop a squat right here. I've felt fingers get dragged across the foot of my bed and then grab my foot. When that's happened, I've reached over, thinking it's my wife getting up to go to the bathroom and nope, she's sound asleep laying right next to me. I, ha- I have an oscillating fan next to my bed and you know, oscillating fans, you have to push this little button down to make it oscillate or pull it up to make it stop oscillating. 
I mean, I sleep with it on. It'll just start oscillating. Just starts oscillating. I've had my my ceiling fan turn off and on. The switch is still on, but the cord has been pulled to shut it off. My TV's turned on and off by itself. And I'm like, what the heck's going on? Now, I've, I've had tragedy in my life. My dad passed away the Friday after Father's Day, 2014. 2016, my little brother died after Father's Day. He was 42 years old. And then my mom died 10 days before my brother's birthday in 2017. So he died in June of 2016. She died in April of 2017. My brother and I were extremely close. I've seen him in my house three separate occasions. It's always been in the same area, like he's protecting us. Uh, and when I say my brother was a larger-than-life person, he was. He was a, a hulking, he was a hulk of a man. He stood easily 6'3", six, 6'4", six, weighed in 300-plus pounds. And not only was he just physically impressive, he was mentally impressive. Super smart. One of the smartest people I've ever known in my life. Spoke six different languages, learned them on his own because he was bored. Took classes like theology because he was bored. Very knowledgeable on just a ton of subjects. Could sit there and talk to anybody about anything, and was always my ride or die guy. One the one person I knew that I could count on before I met my wife was my little brother. He would drop whatever he's doing and break his neck to try to get to me. I miss him a lot, and I know he's with me. And when a lot of crazy things start happening here. You know, I say, I rebuke the name of Jesus Christ. You know, you're not welcome here to leave this house, you know, and if something starts ramping up again, I'm like, hey, bro, why don't you show up, man, and let these things know that they ain't welcome here. Give me a little smack around, you know, and he's always been, he waves to me. It's rough, you know, my stepson has seen things. He's seen like an arm reach around his doorway and try to feel for the light. He said he's seen a little short something in his doorway so i know it's not my brother you know he's super tall you know we've all oh like two christmases ago i bought a brand new tv samsung 70 inch you know the whole 4k you know just everything right bought a brand new tv stand for it i bought a tv stand bigger than i needed to so it had plenty of room we were watching hockey and where we were sitting at our dining room table, you know, my son and I, we moved the TV stand just a little bit out so we could both get a good view of it. It wasn't unstable or anything. Everything was level and perfect. I looked up to see what the score was of a hockey game. And I watched the TV get pushed over. Like something was behind it and literally pushed the TV right off the stand. That was witnessed by everybody. So. I mean, it's just tons of stuff, man. I mean, I could go in chronological order from my earliest to my most recent. It's crazy. We'll definitely have to have you back, man. And I'm glad that, obviously, I hate that you've lost so many members of your family. You know, my condolences, obviously, for the losses. But at the same time, I'm I'm comforted in a way that you have the feeling and you know that your brother's there and you know that you can call on him when you have these kind of things going on. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, that's the best that we can obviously hope for is that 
when we leave, there is something else. And then we have the ability to look over our loved ones and be there to comfort. And I think that's at least something, right? Right. You know, one thing real quick, I'll just, my stepdad passed away on, you know, a month after his 60th birthday, served four tours in Vietnam, just a hell of a guy. When I was going through my divorce, I uh, was having a really hard time. And Thursday night before my divorce hearing, you know, I got down on my knees and I prayed to God and, you know, asked him to show me something relevant, you know, to what I was going through. And I'm not a scholar of the Bible. I flipped through the pages. I just had my eyes closed. Now I've had, I have pictures of my daughter in there. I have ribbons in there. I have a letter that I wrote to my daughter and stuff like that. So if you fan through the book, it could open up in any one of those things. It's a bookmark. And I stopped, pointed to a page and put my finger on the page. And it was a scripture that was exactly what I was going through. And I said, thank you so much for being with me, you know, and then, you know, I just, I just felt this little bit of comfort in me. Now, the house that I lived in, I slept down in the basement. My room was painted royal blue, like a dark royal blue. I had blackout curtains. I just love my room dark. About 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning, you, you get that feeling that someone's watching you. Well, not only did I get the feeling that someone's watching me, but my room, I could see everything in my room. Like there was a light in my room. And when I rolled over, I had my back to the door. When I rolled over in bed, my stepdad was standing next to my bed. And he told me, he's like, son, you're going to be okay. He's like, everything's going to be fine. He goes, you're strong. I just just wanted to show up and let you know that I'm here for you and I love you. And everything's going to be okay. And Brian, I'm telling you, it was so real that I put my feet on the ground, felt the carpet underneath my feet, and I stood up to hug my dad. That's how real it was. And the minute I stood up to put my arms around him, he vanished. But the light was still lingering a little bit, and I just stood there in disbelief. After that time, I I went to court, won the divorce settlement, got full custody of my daughter, and uh, I was coming home one day after a union meeting, and first I smelled him. My stepdad always wore Stetson. So as soon as I smelled that, I knew he was around. You know, I looked in my rearview mirror and I saw him sit in my back seat, just a big smile on his face. And I wasn't paying attention and I blew through a stop sign, right? And uh, he goes, You missed that one. He goes, I knew you would do it. I love you. And I just started crying. And, uh, I got pulled over and this uh, female police officer, this, this Minneapolis police officer comes up to my door and I'm just bawling. I'm, I am just beside myself. And she's like, are you okay, sir? I'm like, no, I'm not okay. You know, I just saw my dad and she's like, that's a good thing. I go, well, yeah, no. I said, my dad passed away in 2003. You know, my stepdad, but I called him my dad. And I said, I just saw him sitting in my back seat. And she's like, sir, have you been drinking? I go, no, ma'am, I haven't. And she sat there with me and just talked, you know, for a couple moments, just trying to help me get through the whole situation. And, you know, it's not everybody's experiences are terrifying. You know, some of them are, I mean, I'm, I'm welling up right now because they're just solid, comforting, lovable, loving, you know, amazing memories, you know, and experiences that I've had. 
so yeah, I mean, I've had some scary ones. I've had some questionable ones, but I've had ones that just bring tears to my eyes and make me smile. So it, it could be someone that you love dearly. It's just trying to come through to just give you a message, but never let your guard down and don't play with Ouija boards ever. So <laughs> very good advice, man. Well, Daniel, I thank you for coming on the show and sharing that stuff, man. I really appreciate it. And as always, I love talking to you. Yeah. Hey, I, I again, it's a pleasure. I love listening to your podcast. And I'll shoot you emails from time to time. You know, if I find, like I said, I've got my little my little book right here that I'm I'm writing. I've got like I think eight stories in it already. You know, I'll, I'll send you one if you want to do it for story time. Absolutely, so, man. I love it. I appreciate it. All right, man. Well, this has been a great great time. I, I like I said, I enjoyed talking to you and I had a good time. Me too, man. All right. Well, hey, you have the best. Tell Danny I said hi. I will. God bless you guys. They say you don't. Stay.